0: The Edu Researching Podcast with Dr. Steve Murray. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Edu Researching Podcast with me, Steve Murray, on behalf of the Chartered College of Teaching Bristol Network. Today's special guest is Jamie Tom from Napier University in Edinburgh, and he's going to be discussing what we can control in our classrooms to manage behaviour. But before that, on the subject of behaviour, Why can't you ever argue with a 90 degree angle? Because they're always right. What drink does a blackboard love? A hot chocolate. Have you heard about the boy with the concrete bum? When he got the cane, the teacher hit rock bottom. I once talked with a grumpy teacher from the Midwest in the USA. He was a right Missouri Guts. I once saw a bull rush in the school library. I thought, that looks like a good read. So I went to this country in the Middle East where every classroom had boisterous behaviour. It was in rowdy Arabia. Are you aware of the school decorated in bits of coloured paper with some pasta shells stuck on it? Hmm, it's a sick form collage. The careers advisor in our school suggests removing your front teeth for 12 months after leaving university. It's a gap year. The maths teacher said to the student, Why did you eat my abacus? The student replied, You said it's what's inside that counts. He then got his pen and turned a minus sign into a plus sign, and the maths teacher said, You've really crossed the line this time. I know a drama teacher who once got sacked as a theatre set designer. She left without making a scene. The history teacher asked the class, Give me the name of the greatest ruler. The lad on the front row called out, the Helix 30cm Shatterproof, sir. Highbrow Presentations, Eyebrow Raising Humour. The Edgy Researching Podcast. If for some reason you do enjoy listening to the Edgy Researching Podcast, then why not like and subscribe so you can be the first to find out when the next one pops out? Okay, let's find out a little bit more about behaviour management in the classroom through the most recent meeting of the Chartered College of Teaching Bristol Network event with Jamie Tom. This is the Bristol hub of the Chartered College of Teaching, live from Orchard School Bristol. And now here's your host, Dr Steve Murray. Well, Thank you everyone for joining us, uh, really pleased to see so many of you here. Um, really excited to host Jamie Tom from Napier University in Edinburgh, but just before we do so, um, a few words from me on the Chartered College of Teaching um, and the importance of the Chartered College of Teaching and its role and its remit. Um, it's only £2 a month for early career teachers to be a member, £4.13 a month if you are a fully-fledged, fully qualified teacher. and if you're a student, you even get free membership during the duration of your course. Actually, there's now an associate membership as well available for learning support assistance, only £1.25 a month. So good value, but what, what do you actually get for your, for your money? One of the most popular aspects of the membership people that uh, talk about is the Impact Journal, peer-reviewed journal. Uh, it helps staff, teaching staff connect research findings to classroom practice. The current issue focuses on um, effective pedagogy and applying research in practice. I'd also add that there's a really good article in there about improving attendance. Well worth looking at. Um, As a member, you'll gain access to the Chartered College hubs. If you're watching the uh, meeting right now, you can see there are five hubs. The research hub, the early career hub, you're an ECT. If you're working in the early years uh, settings, the early childhood hub would be of interest to you. The video hub, so you can see best practice, and the learning hub, where you can embark on your journey towards chartered teacher status. There are 45,000 members around the world, so why not join the club and become more evidence informed in your practice? A couple of events that are coming up in the next few days, really. Tomorrow um, is the Centre for Educational Neuroscience uh, seminar with Dr. Jack Andrews from the University of Oxford and he's going to be discussing their work on evaluating universal school-based interventions for mental health, and that's free for members, 4 p.m. tomorrow, the 1st of February. Uh, Moving on, 4 p.m. tomorrow, 1st of February, there's also research in teachers. How does, and might, research move to, around, and among teachers? And this is about uh, asking how we engage critically with research when it appears in many different forms, and what opportunities are needed for teachers to engage with research in ways that are professionally empowering and fulfilling. And that's with Cathy uh, Burnett from Sheffield Hallam University plus two teaching members of the Chartered College. Okay, 4pm tomorrow, free for members, £15 pounds for non-members. And the 6th of February, this one's very novel, decoding the hype. Can artificial intelligence help uh, create accessible and inclusive student learning? Uh, so, AI is touted as having the potential to revolutionise the way students learn and teachers teach. However, there are many challenges, including the need for technical expertise and ethical concerns. So should we believe the hype? Well, find out on the 6th of Feb at 12. That one's free for members too. Um, The next talk from the Chartered College Bristol Network, we're we're really pleased to uh, host Jean Gross Jean Gross is a specialist in um, closing disadvantage gaps for, or offering advice and evidence-based approaches to closing disadvantage gaps, sorry, uh, achievement gaps for disadvantaged students. Um, One of her most popular books, Reaching the Unseen Children, is a brilliant read. I've read it myself, I'd highly commend it to you. So the 6th of March, 4.15 p.m. You can sign up by scanning the QR code on the screen. Uh, If you are, not a big fan of qr codes i'll drop the link in the chat shortly and if you are listening back on the podcast the Edu researching podcast uh follow me at edgy researching on x twitter and i will uh, be shortly putting the links out there for you to sign up through okay for this what should be a really insightful talk uh, little notes uh This talk is being recorded and all the previous talks from the Bristol Network of the Charter College are available on my college, the recordings, those are. Um, So, for example, you may well be interested in the talk by Sam Strickland on behavioural drift, uh, emotional based school avoidance by Tina Ray, exam anxiety, addressing this by uh, Natasha Devon, Retrieval Practice by Bradley Bush, Stretching High Prior Retainers, and the most recent one, for example, on Improving Attendance for Neurodivergent Students. So you can pick up the recordings on my college if you're a Tata College member, or if you're not, it's open access on the Edgy Researching Podcast, available on all good platforms where you can access podcasts. But you're here today to find out a little bit about more behaviour, about behaviour in classrooms with, with Jamie Tom. So we're really grateful to having Jamie. Let me just tell you a little bit about Jamie. And um, firstly, I should say thank you, Jamie, for giving up your time and sharing your expertise today. So after 12 years teaching and working in leadership roles across the UK, Jamie Tom left the classroom in August 2022 and set up and run the English PGDE at Napier University in Edinburgh. He's written four books. His latest is Talking to Teenagers, which focuses on classroom communication. He also hosts Beyond Survival, the new teacher podcast, a popular podcast for teachers at the start of their career. He also now teaches English one day a week in a secondary school in Edinburgh. If you're not aware of his books, their titles are Teacher Resilience, Managing Stress and Anxiety to Thrive in the Classroom, Slow Teaching on Finding Calm, Clarity, and Impact in the Classroom, A Quiet Education, Challenging the Extrovert Ideal in Our Schools. And as I mentioned, Jamie's latest release published last year, Talking to Teenagers, A Guide to Skillful Classroom Communication. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you and say thank you very much for joining us to Jamie Tom. Thank you, Jamie. Thanks for thanks for
1: coming. Thank you, Steve. I don't know if I can match your levels of enthusiasm, Steve. I'm inspired. I think we should just finish there, Steve. That was that was what an introduction. <laughs> That's very kind. A you level know. Of
0: enthusiasm. That's inspirational. Thank you for that. I I've, appreciate i have bottomed out now. I've got no fuel left in the tank. The <laughs> adrenaline's spent. <laughs> Fantastic. Am I okay to share a screen, Steve? Is that yeah, all right?
1: Yeah, the floor's yours. Brilliant. Thank you so much for that. So hopefully this is a a, a seamless transition, folks, and I'll just quickly uh, take a deep breath and hope that this pops up on your screen. Right, hopefully that's going to appear in just two seconds. And um, so thank you so much for having me, everybody, and I, I really appreciate your, your being here um, this afternoon and just to acknowledge as well. And I think that it's really important to acknowledge that this is the, you know, it's the final Wednesday in January, It's Wednesday, the 31st of January. And I'm inspired really by your level of commitment that you are here and that you are, I suppose, that committed to your young people you teach, that you can take this time out of an exhausting month to focus on how to get the most for the young people in your care. So thank you for that. So ultimately, we are here to answer this question. What can I control to manage behaviour effectively in my classroom? And over the next 45 minutes or so, hopefully what I'll be able to provide you with are some practical tools that can answer this question, but also some reflective tools to help us think about actually what will help us to be the best version of ourselves in front of the young people that we teach. So what I'm going to ask you to do first, if you don't mind, folks, is a little bit of a task. So I'm gonna focus all the way through this talk on the start of that question. What can I control? And I'm gonna ask you first of all, if you don't mind, to bring somebody to mind. Now, the somebody I'd like you to bring to mind is either is excuse me, rather, is your behavioral role model. So the person that comes to your mind when you think of somebody who manages behavior impeccably in their classroom. Now, this could be a colleague that you work with. This could be somebody in your school setting. This could be somebody from your own experience of education, somebody in school yourself, who you thought, wow, they just have the ability to manage behavior really, really effectively. So I'm going to give you just sort of, I'm going to leave 10 seconds of silence. And I'd like you to visualise that individual to so your behavioural role model. So just 10 seconds. OK, brilliant. So hopefully you've got that person in your mind. Now, if you can't think of somebody, I'd like you to just think of yourself when you're, you're best in managing classroom behaviour. Now what I would like you to do is use the chat function for this if you don't mind and I'd like you to drop down in the chat what qualities did that person have or what did they do in their classroom okay so what qualities did they have and what did they do in their classroom so your behavioural model and hopefully if I leave about 30 seconds I'd really appreciate if I could see on that chat function there lots and lots of things running down and I can see it now Warren started us off with smiling okay so hopefully what we'll see in 30 seconds is lots and lots and lots of qualities running or things they did running down the chat okay so I'll leave a a space of 30 seconds now okay this is beautiful thank you for this we'll keep them coming in thank you very much I'm going to let another another kind of 10 seconds or so go and I'd really encourage you folks if you don't mind have a look through the qualities the things that are coming up on the on the chat there okay we'll maybe go three if there's anything else please do pop it in just just while I'm talking here we'll go three two and we'll go one beautiful thank you so much for doing that folks i really appreciate that so what we can see in the chat there is a couple of things and this is the reason why i like doing that this task first of all there's such a diverse and rich range of things that are coming up there now they range from and apologies i think catherine's got a a hand up there i was gone down that's okay so and they range from you know qualities like humor qualities like compassion care kindness To things like high expectations, to things like reputation across the school, things like authority. So there's a huge scale of qualities that come up there in terms of what makes effective behaviour role models in the classroom itself. And that really does illustrate to us just how complex it is in terms of managing behaviour. And there is no one size fits all to managing behavior in a classroom but one of the things i do that task for to come back to our question what can i control i think one of the first things we can control is this is having people who are watching really really carefully in the school settings being really attuned to all the amazing qualities our colleagues might have in terms of how they approach managing behaviour. And I guess like all amazing teachers, magpiping, magpiping, magpying, is stealing things, stealing approaches that our behaviour role model might use and finding a way to make that authentically fit for us as an individual because they are the values that matter to us, if we can implement them. So thank you for engaging with that task, I appreciate that a lot. So the next thing I'm going to ask of you folks, I'm going to offer a small prize to anybody, the first person on the chat who can tell me who this individual is in the next slide. Okay, so the first person I'm going to offer a small prize. Can anyone tell me who that is? This is where the suspense builds can anyone make any predictions any guesses who is this man my maths teacher that's very specific from jill thank you for that uh, warren has said i've got his book but hasn't named him this is this is warren's opportunity okay i'm gonna go 10 seconds can anyone name this individual the most random one I've got when I've got oh Cheryl Cheryl has smashed it ladies and gentlemen this is in fact Stephen R Covey okay and Stephen R Covey and Cheryl you win and um, and this is obviously one of the best behavioural management strategies I'll share in the next 35 minutes or so oh my mood you are so close uh, is is offering prizes and then quietly not giving out the prizes but Cheryl what you do when is the respect of every single person on this call. the 65 people or more and raising on this call at this moment in time. Thank you for that a lot. So Stephen Covey wrote this wonderful book. So the book is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Now it's one of the most famous business manuals, kind of one of the first self-help books in terms of how to be the best version of yourself and how to be really effective In what you do. Now, what I'd like to focus on, and what I think is an essential tool in terms of the management of behavior in classrooms, is his first habit that he identifies. Now, I wonder if the three people, and thank you, Amud is really, that's another belter, it's a really good one. The Leader in Me is a great book. So I'm wondering if anyone can predict. Or knows. And hey, Tammy is ahead of the game here. Fantastic. Tammy said, begin with the end in mind. That is one of his principles, it's not the first one. Can anyone name his first habit of highly effective people? And again, I'll give it 20 seconds. And again, you win a prize. Nope, that's not it. Amud, but thank you for that. Excellent guess. This has gone for be organized, you'll be prepared. Nope. Uh, sean has gone from relationships. Nope. Amanda's close. Start with the Y. Nope. Oh, these are wonderful guesses we've got here. Habits, know yourself, and I think ultimately routines. These are all brilliant systems and techniques in terms of management of behaviour. But and apologise if I mispronounce your name. I think it's Kieran has gone for be proactive. Okay, we've got some super people on this call this afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is wonderful. So. Habit one, and Kieran, thank you for that, habit one is focus and act on what you can control and influence instead of what you can't. Now, when I think of my own behavioural role models, and I've been lucky enough to teach in schools across the UK from comprehensives in central London to schools and special measures in Newcastle, to schools comprehensive again in terms of Edinburgh. I've had a real wealth of experience. And behaviour management has always been something I've found difficult to be totally transparent about. It's still something I I do find challenging. But when I've watched my behavioural role models, when I've really invested in thinking about what they do, it's this habit that they employ. They focus on what they can control. influence instead of what they can't. Now, Covey has got an illustration of this and he refers to this as the circle of influence. Now, hopefully this diagram will help to illustrate this. The circle of influence is fundamentally things that are within your control things that you can shape and things that you can influence. Now the alternative circle is the circle of concern. Now the circle of concern is things that you might obviously, given the name, be concerned about, but you have no ability to shape, control and influence. Now, what really proactive people do, people who are full of positive energy and people who manifest lots of wonderful human qualities, is they focus on their circle of influence. And now what happens when you focus on that circle of influence, is it grows, and your influence grows. Now, what reactive people do, is they focus on that circle of concern and they become more reactive and less focused on what they can influence. So what I'd like to do is again, give this just 30 seconds. If we think about that circle of influence. What I'm curious to hear from people again on the chat. Is in terms of managing behaviour effectively. In your classroom context, in your school context, what is within your circle of influence and again I'd really love it if we could just see a few ideas flying in in the chat what is within your circle of influence that you can control shape influence in terms of the behaviour in your classrooms and Warren is a man on fire this evening He started off straight away again so setting expectations. So i give 15 seconds, folks. If we could throw them into the chat, I'd really appreciate it. And then we'll see them as they come up. Thank you very much. 15 seconds. <clears throat> We'll go three, we'll go two, we'll go one and zero. Okay, thank you so much for that folks and hopefully that's given you the opportunity to reflect a little bit. Now there's loads of things in there and I'll pick up a couple of things. We've got the, this idea of your own disposition, your own positivity, your own consistency, your response, your emotional response and I don't say this in the sense that any of this is simple or easy but it is within our control. The routines that you build, thank you for that. The consistent routines, yeah, absolutely. Your sense of your sense of inner tranquility in terms of the calmness you might manifest. Thank you, Jimmy, your clear messaging. Oh, I like that. The sense of fun you can present with and the preparation you put in. All such helpful points. I really appreciate that. So what I'd like to do over the next, probably about 25 minutes, just to give some space for question, is to focus on some of the aspects that you've acknowledged in the chat there, and for us to spend a little bit more time reflecting on them in terms of these circle of influence. And what I hope to prove is that actually this is quite empowering for us as teachers, because it helps us to recognize by focusing on our circle of influence, it helps us to recognize that we do have a power in our classrooms. We do have an ability to shape things. And it also is empowering in the sense of there are some things in our classrooms that we can do. Very little about. But if we focus on that circle of influence, it can grow, improve and develop. So. The first circle of influence. I think we've acknowledged this in the chat already. The first behaviour circle of influence is how we communicate. Now I'm imagining when you when you sort of uh, did that visualisation of your behaviour guru. I'm imagining one of the things you were thinking about is on a very basic human level. How did they manifest in the classroom? How did they come across in the classroom and how did they communicate? So I'd like us to spend a little bit of time on this because our communication. Has a profound impact in terms of the behaviour that we might see in a classroom. So the first thing I'm going to ask you to do is is I guess I'll give 60 seconds just because I'm conscious of time, but I'm going to ask you to do a little self communication audit. And for this, what I'm going to get you to think about, and again, maybe just even for, for comedy value, I'll maybe ask you to, to put the first question in the chat. So have you got any classic repeated classroom phases or phrases, excuse me, rather, that you use over and over again? And then something for you to reflect a little bit about. What is your communication strength? Do you think you do well in terms of how you communicate in the classroom and do you have any communication weaknesses that you might want to acknowledge so you don't need to share them in the chat but as my mood is done and i really appreciate that any classic repeated phrases so mine I, I went through a long period of being a shh person before i started doing it to my own two children who are both under five who now mock me se- seamlessly if i say shush so Any classic repeated phrases, if you could pop them on the chat. There's some brilliant ones coming up already. And I'll give 30 seconds of just thinking space for you to go through that process. So what are your communication strengths and do you have any communication weaknesses? Thank you. My favourite one so far there is uh, Jill Greenwood. This is beautiful. I do this job because I want to be centre of attention. Eyes on me. That's beautiful. Uh, Britta, I love that as well. Let's do this. That's really motivational. Okay, listening in three, two, one. Lovely. Now I'm finding to be honest, I'm getting some brilliant phrases here that I can use in my own classroom. So these are lovely, some lovely classroom repeated phrases. Oh, magnet eyes, Julie. Wow, I love that. That's great. Okay, beautiful. So you've done your your classroom audit, and what I'd like to do is again just share some practical things that might help in terms of just harnessing and developing some of that communication. Now I'm basing this in a couple of things. So the first principle in terms of communication is having an understanding of your audience. Now, any excellent communicator has got an incredible radar for a room, and when I watch brilliant teachers teach, it's almost as if they've got an antenna for different individuals in the room, and they're really reading a room. Now, when I released Talking to Teenagers last year, one of the things I did in preparation for this is I sent a survey. Uh, that I was very fortunate in the sense of almost about 1000 teenagers filled it out for me that asked questions about. Um, questions about education, questions about, you know, what's it like to be a teenager and what's it like to be in schools? And I apologize, folks, because I'm conscious there's a few primary colleagues who are with us this afternoon, so I don't want to um, linger this point too much. Just want to share a couple of things that teenagers said to me in terms of feedback about what's it like to be a teenager. So I'll pop these up. Okay, so that was one of the quotations that included in the book from a teenager. Um, And it really captures the fear. Now, if you thought that was dramatic, I'm gonna read this one out. This was incredibly dramatic. So the overarching feeling of dread that looms over one's head. Where will I be in the future? When will I die? What if I don't make it? What is everything? Why is everything? Just what? Now, for those of us who are working in a secondary context. I want to draw attention to a couple of things that working with that kind of age group, we need to be conscious of. And in terms of managing their behaviour. Now, hopefully what, what you'll find is that these relate also, I think, to primary children in many ways. So, one of the things I've, I do obviously is run a podcast for new teachers. And I interviewed this chap here, who's Dr. John Go- Coleman, who's been a psychologist focusing on adolescence for 60 years. He's now in his 80s. And one of the things he shared with me was a little bit of the science about the brain and how it's developing in both children and adolescents. And for me, that was really quite insightful and quite useful. In just understanding a little bit about working with young people and working with teenagers. And a couple of things, and I guess the most obvious one would be that we as adults, wonderful, rational, sensible adults, we make our decisions with our prefrontal cortexes. Now, in teenagers and children, that part of their brain is obviously going through a stage of real development which kind of supercharges during the adolescent years. And actually what happens with them is their decision-making process is made with their amygdala, the emotion center part of the brain. Now, I'm not sharing this to excuse any behaviors might be presented with, but for me it's helpful just in rationalizing some of the behavior, some of the reactive behavior we might get in classrooms. And it helps me with my parenting fundamentally. Also, a couple of other things to draw on to there. The pandemic has had a big impact in terms of children and adolescents, social media, anyone who works with, with, with young people will recognise that has a big impact. And I also think there's been a real culture of negativity surrounding, particularly adolescents, but also children in terms of their role in society, they are really conscious of. Now, that stuff that is not within our circle of influence. We can't control any of that fundamentally. So what can we control with that level of context? I'm going to share a few things. The first, it was interesting to me that in the first task, this came up frequently. Kindness, care and compassion. Now, really effective behavior management individuals will have that compassion, will have that kindness, will have that ability to show young people that they see them and that they care. It's obviously balanced with lots of things we'll talk about later in terms of routines and structures, but having that compassionate mindset. So we can control our emotional management. It's a tough one and I'll look at how a little bit later in the talk. We can control that level of celebratory language, that level of positivity that we're using in our classrooms to help young people feel the sense that they matter, that they're valued and that we recognise them in our contexts. And also, again, that first task, patience came up again and again and again. And that certainly is a teacher's superpower. And finally, one of the most effective things we can do, in terms of our work with young people, is establish peer norms, establish ways of being and acting in our classroom spaces, because young people are hugely influenced by their peers, and that's partly to do with their brains, and that's partly to just with the do with the nature of being a young person. We'll remember that ourselves. So, if we can establish in our classrooms, this is how we act and behave, then that helps all the young people in that setting really fit into that context. And that comes a little bit of mock horror when young people display behaviours that we, we don't value. And we say that's just not how we do things in our classroom context. So, that is an important part of I think effective behavior management in classrooms. Now, another big part of this, and I'll do this part quite briefly, I think, but another big part. Of securing really good behavior in our classrooms is actually how we deliver our content. How we speak. On a daily basis. And there's all kinds of tricks and tools that we can use and I'll skip past this bit and I'll just go straight into some of the teaching implications. Now, when I asked young people for feedback in terms of what helps them to maintain behavior in a classroom, what do they think is useful? A lot of them talked about actually how the teacher communicated. Now, the non-verbal side of that is important. So, how we use our body language, how we walk around the classroom our sense of ownership of that classroom space so when we're communicating with young people are we down on their level are we making sure that we're aware of any blind spots in the room and one of the really effective ways to manage behavior is just to stand beside young young people so that they know you're watching almost like a surveillance state i guess ultimately and the voice is an amazingly Powerful tool for educators. And thinking about how we are using that voice. In classrooms where behavior can be challenging, often the pitch of a teacher's voice is really static. So there might be a really high pitch, it's a consistently loud environment. And young people respond to that with noise level themselves. So thinking about how we use our voice in terms of classroom space is important. I also think a lot of behaviour comes from just a lack of understanding. So when young people don't understand the content, that's when it becomes really challenging and they're more likely to display challenging behaviour. So how do we check for understanding? Lots of brilliant strategies you can use to just make sure young people understand what they need to do and making that a really frequent part of teaching. And I think I, I, I've pinched this from Tom Shannon, but I think it's great. So instead of asking. Do you understand? Actually reframing it to what do you understand? And asking young people to articulate things as they go through the lessons. And then obviously our differentiation and how we Show content is big in terms of maintaining behavior. So are lessons interesting, engaging? Have they got stories at the heart of them that can help to help young people engage with them? And are we scaffolding that learning as well as we go through? Okay, so a third behavioral principle. Before we move on to just some really practical tools that I'd like to give you in terms of things we can think about in terms of how we communicate. And I've noticed this in some of the phrases that people have used, I think it's brilliant, is our own levels of optimism and positivity that we communicate in our classroom spaces. And I can see them, I can sense that from the individuals on this call in terms of some of the phrases that they're using. And again, I'll I'll run through this briefly just to give a few practical strategies. Now, this is important, I guess. Because if we're conveying optimism, if we're conveying positivity. There are real practical implications in terms of how reciprocal young people will be. If we're positive, if we're optimistic, often they will come along with us in terms of the learning. So how do we do that? We establish that peer norm, that we're a group, that we're a collective. And we do that by using that pronoun we as much as possible. So in this class, we listen really, really well to each other. In this class, we follow instructions really carefully. Now, belonging is a big part. Of behavior management. So young people need to feel like they are seen, they belong, and they're part of that group. It's exactly the same for us as adults in terms of how we interact. Other ways you can do that is it's just to be, again, it comes back to that idea of curiosity, and I think this is such a big one in learning. If we show we're curious about learning, young people are more likely to be curious. So we do that by being genuinely interested. In what young people might have to offer, what young people might have to say in terms of some of their answers and really curious in terms of what we're going to explore today. You know, both in the primary setting and the secondary setting, I still think in the secondary setting, young people really appreciate that. And Again, helping the motivation in the room by encouraging as much as possible young people to see the long view, to look deeply into the future and see why things might be useful for them. I mentioned this in the last one, but scaffolding student success, I think it's the most important way to enable motivation. Really building bridges so that they can be successful. If students are successful in their classroom, be that in the primary or the secondary level, they're going to want more of that. For me as an English teacher, that's scaffolding some of the writing, their responses to text. If I can do that, they'll get more and more confident. If they feel confident in the subject, they're less likely often to display challenging behaviour. And we make that a real sense of celebration in our classroom, really passionately celebrating individuals and celebrating success. Okay, I appreciate that's a lot of content, folks. I'm hoping this is useful. I'm going to keep this. I've got about eight minutes left, so I'm going to run through this next part. So these are, again, as I say, all things that we have an influence and control in terms of shaping. So the last one I'd like to talk about. Is how we react to behavior. I'm going to split this into two parts. I'm going to split this into behavioral traps. And behavioral successes. So I'm going to ask for a little bit of input on the chat again, if you don't mind just because I'm conscious I've talked for quite a while there. So what I'd like from you folks are. And I guess we're almost thinking of our behavioral villains here, or we're thinking of ourselves when um, we're not at our best. In the classroom, so what I'd like from you folks are some behavioural traps that you've seen. Now, they might be phrases that you use or you've seen people use. They might be ways of being in the classroom. But what do we do when things are going wrong in terms of behaviour in the classroom? So if you don't mind any, anything you'd like to share on the chat there, any little things you've seen or heard where behaviour or what we do is behaviour when we're not at our best. And I'll give 15 seconds for that as well. Tammy, thank you for starting that out. Talking more, talking louder. Brilliant, beautiful. Let them run through for a few seconds, folks. Okay, lovely. This is this is really helpful. And, I, and I'd like to point out, folks, this is entirely without judgment. Okay, we've all been here and we all do this stuff and I'm totally conscious of that. So um, a lot of things coming up. So shouting too much, taking things personally, overreacting to situations and getting in that argument a lot of the time with young people as well. Um, I like that. (laughs) Johnny, do you want to go to shadow? Lovely. Um, Sarcasm yet warning, but never falling through. Sending them out, arguing. Lovely. Really, really helpful stuff, folks. So you've addressed most of the things I'm going to mention here, folks. So there was a couple of examples there of the famous rhetorical question. Now, I find myself doing this in my own teaching all the time. It's really easy to fall into. So that rhetorical question, even just approaching a young person and asking them, what do you think you are doing? Now, why doesn't it work? Because it's hostile fundamentally. And what it sets up is it sets up some kind of debate or argument with a young person. And it blows up potentially a scenario. So one of the things we'll look at in the next slide, are what are some more helpful phrases we could use here? Again, entirely human, but there's that that level of volume that we might do as a classroom teacher, trying to respond to loud volume by raising our own voice. That pronoun you, I think, is quite an important one in terms of managing behaviour, because it is, again, if we think about it, it's fairly hostile. And it's fairly dispassionate in terms of our interactions with the young person. And again, we're always thinking how can we deal with the scenario calmly, quietly, and with the least sense of opening up a reaction from either the young person or the class as a whole. And the last image there, I guess, is about the physicality of managing behavior. And often what we might end up doing is using our physicality in a way that can be intimidating for young people, standing over them and almost that sense of aggression behind it. So, what can we do instead? So again, I've I've done these through, through through a sense of a few different images here. And I'll run through them. I think one important thing to think about is our positive to negative Ratio. Now, one of the things that helps to create that atmosphere of positivity and optimism is thinking really carefully about this. Now, Barbara Fredrickson, who's a positive psychology professor, has written a lot about her research into this, and she uses a ratio which is 5 to 1. So for every negative comment, there are five positive comments. Now, that can work in all spheres of life. It's been wonderfully helpful in my own marriage, thinking about actually for every one negative comment, am I making five positive ones? Now, reiterating those positive comments, Johnny, I really appreciate how well you're listening. Um, Belinda, you are working beautifully today. Thank you so much for that. There might be a corrective behaviour in there, Lois, I'd like you to focus more on me please. Thank you. But those five positive ones shine through and they establish a peer norm in your classroom. that people do what you want them to do. And most young people will do what we want them to do, but it just shines a light on their behavior. So another thing you can do is instead of that pronoun, what are you doing and asking that rhetorical question. Just using the phrase noticed. So Billy, I've noticed you're not as focused as I'd like you to be. Lucy, I've noticed that you're engaging in a conversation there. And again, it just shines a light on the behavior for the young person. And it helps them to make the positive choice, which is to rectify that behavior. And again, I really love the notion of giving choices again to deal with a behavioral scenario in a really calm, Consistent way offering choices. And that can be anything at all. So I'd like you to focus really, really well on your work there and try as hard as possible. If you don't, unfortunately, I'm going to have to do X. So a really clear choice for that young person to follow. Now, the surveillance state camera one is a bit creepy, really, but fundamentally, it comes back to that body language and that positioning. And just being somebody in a classroom and I'm always talking to my new teachers about this, who it's like they are everywhere. It's like they've got eyes all over the room. They're really cognizant and reflective about every single part of the classroom. So that young people look up and they think, wow, it's watching me all the time. So there's always that sense of being aware and being reflective of where things are. And then finally, we've talked about this already, thinking about compassion, thinking about kindness, Thinking about potential reasons behind why behaviors might be shown. Now, I do want to leave a bit of time for questions, folks. I'm going to whiz through this last bit. Now, I, something I haven't talked about is flexibility. And if I can recommend one book about classroom management and behaviour, it wouldn't be my own. Buy this book instead. It's called The Craft of the Classroom, a Survival Guide. And it's so good that my headmaster, in my first school, photocopied it for every single teacher and handed it out to us and it made a real impact on my own teaching practice it's really really good now the last circle of influence i was going to talk about is a big one but we won't have time to go into it Um, and it's all to do with how we manage our own well-being And and i'll briefly point out a couple of things i think with this and i'll finish up on this The behavior guru that you probably thought about at the start. I think fundamentally one of the things that will have made them so effective. Is they will have shown up as the best version of themselves every single day. And that requires a huge amount of energy and that requires a huge amount in terms of how you are in your classroom. So thinking about actually managing my own well being is not something selfish. Managing my own well-being is something deep and important to help me to be that best person myself, to help to manage the situations I'll be faced in the classroom. and thinking about the ways that work well for you in this regard, I think are really important. Um, so I'll finish up there, folks, and I'll leave some time for questions. I'll skip. There was obviously lots and lots and lots I had, planned. I was very ambitious with my planning here. I'll finish on a wee slide before I pass back to Steve. Um, and that would just be that um, I do a lot of coaching with teachers. If you would like to have a coaching chat with me, it's all totally free as a result of this conversation. If you found this useful and you want to speak to me on a more individual basis about it, please do send me an email at jamietom123 at com. Um, for a little bit of a follow-up conversation. I'd be delighted to do that with you. And there's lots and lots of stuff on this content on the podcast I run as well. So Steve, apologies, I've gone slightly overrun there. I'll pass back to you for for any
0: questions. No, no, thank you so much, Jamie. You you were on a roll, time well spent, so absolutely fine regarding the timing. Thank you so much. That was a really, really insightful presentation, really enjoyed it. Um, Lots of great opportunities for interactivity, and thank you everyone for participating so well. great strategies for us to take back into our classrooms and trial out there so thank you um I've got a quick question myself before I open to the floor um in your in your book so Jamie's latest book talking to teenagers you mentioned about the use of the word thank you in Mm. there and you I noticed you sort subtly dropped it in a couple of times when you were giving examples earlier would you mind just explaining to everybody the the power I guess of the the use of thank you and how it can help to de-escalate matters in a classroom Yeah, sure. No, and I think I'll I'll, I'll acknowledge. I've pinched this. I've magpie
1: this. As all good things are, from uh, Bill Rogers, who's a wonderful. He's actually coming on my podcast in a couple of weeks, which I'm very excited about. And so, Bill Rogers' books on behaviour are absolutely fantastic. And this is his big tool in terms of getting that balance between assertiveness and compassion in the classroom. And really, it's it's avoiding saying please fundamentally. And it's using thank you as a close to sentences to encourage young people to to follow the request fundamentally. So instead of please put down your pen, it's put down your pen. Thank you. And I guess it just gives that sense of clarity, finality in terms of young people responding to what we, we want them to do. Still in that beautifully polite, assertive way that I
0: think young people respond really well to. Right, and and on a on a similar note, um, I was just going to ask you as well about secondary behaviours. So mm. we've all had it where, um, you know, an instruction or a comment made by a member of staff, and there's, for example, a sigh or a sarcastic remark or a "oh, this is boring" comment, and it, it can be quite easily easy, easy to be drawn into a bit of a ding dong between the member of staff and and the the student. Could you give us a little bit of advice on you know, how to deal with those sorts of situations. Mm, yeah. And
1: again, just to acknowledge, I always feel when I'm doing these sessions, there's there's almost a level of insincerity sometimes because it's very easy for me to say, you know, tactically ignore, think about when you're going to pick that battle and think about, is it really worth it to have that secondary interaction where they go, no, oh, whatever, you know, is it worth ha- but. Obviously there's endorphins that set off because we're only human. The minute a child does that and goes, Oh yeah, you're full of rubbish, and um, there's a human, a primal need to respond. So for me, what I found helpful in those scenarios is 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 just pausing, taking a few seconds, taking a deep breath, and usually just t- turning around and avoiding the 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 young person's need for a reaction from us. Because that's fundamentally usually what it is and again sometimes it does require a quiet conversation just in the sense of you know in my interactions with you. I'm always really respectful and I really like that to be how you interact with me. But that might be five minutes later when the air's cooled a little bit on that interaction. So so yeah, hope I don't sound too much like some kind of meditation guru when I say take a deep breath and step away. But sometimes I think that's really what's what's required in the situation?
0: No, no, I think you're right. I think it's it, like you said, it's easy to be drawn in, isn't it? But actually, mm-hmm. you want to take the sting out of the conversation and and you know the wind out of the sails in a way and just let it diffuse and and move okay. on ultimately. yeah, yeah. if you do have any questions for Jamie, you know please pop them into the chat because i've I've got a bank for them, but I don't want to dominate the the space. <laughs> um, jamie, i've I've got a I've got one for you. Um this is a scenario, okay. Um, I know that you've got a podcast for uh, teachers that are new to the profession. So if I give you a scenario of, um, uh, let's say, a newly qualified teacher, an ECT, who's got a class on a Thursday afternoon that just fills them with dread. And they feel like over time, no matter what they try, they're just slowly being eroded down by uh, persistent low level misbehavior from what feels like, fires being set off all around the room and they put one fire out and another one pops up somewhere else they put that one out and they you can probably imagine it feels like they're spinning a hundred plates and and it's more of a battle than a, a a calm productive enjoyable and positive learning process i know that's a massive can of worms but where would you where would you suggest and what advice would you give in terms of where that person starts because it can be quite a lonely place can't it yeah mm. Yeah, it's a great question, Steve. Thank you. I appreciate that. Especially with only five minutes to go, it's a massive one.
1: I thought I'd drop that little bombshell in at the end. (laughs) I think lots of my students do have that sort of experience with Mm. those really, really challenging classes. So where to start? I think, first of all, what we've talked about in terms of your own well-being and your own sense of actually this isn't something personal. This is a, a challenging class. And taking some of the emotion out of it a little bit might be a really helpful starting point. So recognising it's not about you. It's about the class dynamic would be step number one. Step number two, I think, is always about reaching out. The very worst thing I've ever done in my teaching career is move into a, a challenging school and in my first year, shutting my door and pretending like it wasn't happening. And pretending that I was this guru and I'm in my classroom and I've got it all handled when I was really being defeated every single day. But behaviours, one of those ones where I still don't think we're open enough as a kind of teaching community to actually reach out and go, I really need some help with this. And that can come in all sorts of different forms that can be reaching out to to mentors in the school that could be working with really good behavioural people, asking for help in terms of people coming in and watching you and then just rigorously following any policies. And it's something we've not talked about today, but what are the school policies? How can you implement them as clearly and as consistently as possible? So hopefully that makes sense. So take the emotion out of it, seek support, and then really look at those routines as well, as much as possible.
0: No, that's great. Thank you. And uh, Grace has asked a question that nicely follows up. She asks, uh, "How would you handle nearly two hundred students for a total of four hours, where they're all chatty and loud?" So I guess it's how uh, do how do you get them? Um, how I guess the question really is, how do you gain that sense of control? I think is is what Grace is asking.
1: Yeah, great question, Grace.
0: And I'm hoping you don't teach nearly two hundred students
1: for four hours every day, Grace, because if so, you've got a huge amount of respect. Absolutely. And yeah. um, so I think within that, scenario, again, you're looking to establish some really clear routines, so some really clear kind of routines in terms of coming back to you and some really clear routines in terms of how you structure those sessions, because there will be parts where you have to monopolize and, 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 and get them to use their voices and to talk and to communicate, but breaking them up as far as possible in terms of periods where they are talking periods where they're quiet and then really clear routines back to me in five countdowns, whatever would work in terms of just trying to calm that big, big environment as much as possible and keep it really consistent and clear with the routines. Um,
0: but yeah, the challenge, that's a challenge. I hope it's going okay. That sounds sounds difficult. Yeah, absolute whopper. Uh, thank you. No, that's that's really and a nice one to finish on. Uh, Lucy asks, where may may we, where may we find your podcasts, and are they arranged in the sense of content? Um, it's a differential differential subjects I guess she's asking do you have sort of set themes that you work through oh, brilliant yeah good question thank you for asking that Lucy I appreciate that so um you can just google beyond survival the new teacher
1: podcast it's on everything so it's on um you know it's on apple podcast it's on spotify it's on the whole shebang um, and every week I do an interview with somebody and I do a little talk they're always 15 minutes or less about some aspect of education so basically things like um, I'll talk about you know well-being behavior, every strand of being a teacher fundamentally um, and Stephen I will send these slides to you after Steve if, if, if it's possible to disseminate them, a couple of people asking
0: that but I will send them. Yeah. On to Steve. Fantastic yeah so um, if you are interested in uh, Jamie's slides we can we can upload them onto the Chartered College of Teaching uh, website for members to access and if you contact me on x at edu researching I can um, Distribute them out to anyone who's not a member. Um, but Jamie, thank you. Really enjoyed that. There's so much for us to to reflect on. You gave us loads of opportunities for that. Um, lots of great practical strategies. So thank you so much again for your time. And I'm just going to round up uh, with a few last words to everybody before we head off. But thank you, Jamie. I really appreciate it. The Charter College of Teaching, live from Orchard School, Bristol. Uh, what a great talk again. Uh, Jamie there with the wonderful roundup of different strategies and techniques that we can use in our classrooms. Um, if you want to know more, I would highly recommend Jamie's latest book, Talking to Teenagers, A Guide to Skillful Classroom Communication. He was very humble about recommending somebody else's book about Classroom Craft. But, you know, this one here, hot off the press, um, well worth a read. Um, so I guess final words for me really are. Just to let you know about the next talk we've got coming up on Wednesday, the 6th of March. Okay, Uh, this one's Jean Gross Jean Gross, a specialist in uh, disadvantaged students and how to close the attainment gap for those those groups. Um, She's written the book, Reaching the Unseen Children. Her talk is is called We Need to Talk About Jason. If you've read the book, that little bit there will make sense. Evidence-based approaches to improving outcomes for disadvantaged learners. So that one, 6th of March, uh, through the Bristol Network of the Charter College of Teaching. Thank you again, everybody. Um, really appreciate your engagement with the with, with the talk today. Uh, hope you gain lots from it. I certainly have. And yeah, I'll see you again, hopefully, on the 6th of March. And yeah, it's bye bye from me. Take care and enjoy managing and your your classrooms in such a positive, calm and consistent way. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Thank you for taking part. Look out for the next event. Find it first on at EduResearching on Twitter. Bye for now.